Hey, welcome back to our channel. <laughs> <laughs> Please like and subscribe. Comment down below. Um, hello and welcome to another episode of The Archers in Screaming Color. After Dark. After Dark. That's a great intro. Thank you so much. That it would be like so cute, like a little whisper. Thank you, Amazing. everyone. Thank you, live uh, studio audience. Oh, I love you guys. That reminds me, I had my first famous person thing happen to me this week. Really? What happened? Yes. Oh, Madison, you already know, but I'm so glad that you're really, you're forgetting right now for the cameras. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, I was impersonated online mm, yeah some bitch with the name katie goldie g-o-l-d-e-e goldie, G -O -L -D -E -E, goldie. Yep. and then my maiden name in parentheses next to it like very weird like spot like very convincing of me with my 30th birthday candle blowing photo as their profile picture <laughs> How I was, I was catfished as, and yeah, Katie Goldie sent messages to so many people, literally everyone in my life except for Lizzie and Sean, because they were like, oh, and they basically were like, like, most people were like, don't. Like, this is not Katie. And then they messaged yeah. me with screenshots. I'm guessing a lot of people... Think think about this. There are three groups of people that could have gotten these messages. Mm. One, people that know me well enough and, like, text me to be like, this is not her. Like, oh, this yeah. is obviously not her. Because it wasn't that my profile was hacked, mind you. Someone was impersonating me. It's Goldie, not Golden. No, Goldie. Goldie. Kitty Goldie. Kitty Goldie. <laughs> and yeah, so there's the people that don't know me that well. Um, or the people that do know me, text me. Whatever, mm. they're not tricked. The people who don't know me from Adam mm. and aren't going to reply to a message to me. So like, don't care fine yeah but think about all those middle people that have just followed me on facebook from a distance for years and they they don't know that i would never ever start a conversation with how are you doing mm. they don't know that they're like i last saw her in sixth grade right so they get a message from katie goldie the lesbian with a podcast about how taylor swift is gay right and they're like, oh, Katie wants to know how I'm doing. I'm going to respond to that. Right. One of those persons reached out to me, thank God, and sent me their screenshots. And the conversation that followed was someone trying to get them into an MLM. That's ridiculous. All of that yes. for an MLM? I thought it was like a bot trying to like do a link with like a virus. An MLM. Yep. 
I'm shocked right now. I'm sorry. Like, I'm actually shocked. I've never heard that one yeah. before. I've never heard of, like, someone getting hacked or having a new account made where it was for a fucking MLM. Um, yeah. An MLM. This must be someone who knows you and knows that you are so kind and, like, sweet and, like, warm and, like, that you, like, bring people in. Because they were probably like, who could sell an MLM? Who who would be friendly enough that people would buy an MLM from them or, like, buy into it? Katie Golden. <laughs> Katie Goldie. Goldie. Katie Goldie. Mm. So weird. But anyway. Really made me feel like a famous person. I'm sorry. The old Golden can't come to the phone right now. Oh my god. Why? Why? Because she's Goldie. Because she's Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Wow. Wow. That was a very long little intro to our show. Thank you for uh, no, that. No, that is insane. I really needed that. Today, we are going to be talking about. Blue Blood, which is the Rebecca Harkness biography. I know. A shocker, right? You had no idea that's what we were going to talk about. I really didn't. I thought we were talking about Katy Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, you really did. I really Um, did. Sneak peek, (laughs) Easter egg. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, No, but yes, at this point I did know. I did know that was acting. (laughs) That was acting. You knew um, we were doing that at some point. I did. I really did. Yeah. No, I'm very, very, very excited. We put out the call to get a copy of it, and we got so many PDF scans. So yeah. many of you answered the call. So many more than I, I love even you expected. guys so much. Ugh. It was literally like an hour after we put the episode out that the first person reached out with the yes. PDF. To clarify, I haven't gotten through it all. I've only gotten through five chapters. So, well, this isn't our final episode on it. We're just kind of catching up and discussing. Yes, exactly. So like we don't have a. Club, I don't have but... like. Yes, it's not the full scope <sighs> yeah. yet. No, but I really, from what I've read so far, I would assume that this was Taylor's primary source for what she knows about oh, Rebecca yes. Harkness. Yes. Like for sure, a primary source. And one of the top ones, because there are so many parallels in this book to mm. folklore, Evermore, 1989, Red, to Taylor's life, to all of it, that it's just, like, uncanny. There would be, there's no coincidence mm. with this book. I think the first really exciting thing that we found out about this book is the chapter names yes yes yeah that was thrilling so, that was really yes. thrilling it felt like we unlocked like a vault no pun intended <laughs> but actually pun intended it did feel that way it felt like we were reading like a um a, oh my god, I put too much lip gloss on my mouth. Too much. It's going in. It's going in my <laughs> mouth. I went too hard. Okay. Um. It it feels like what are those called? Like a translation dictionary. 
Yeah, like um, like like a tablet, like an ancient tablet with all the exactly. translations that we needed. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it really felt that way because it was like reading something that all of a sudden looked familiar, even though you've never seen it before in your life. Yeah, because like chapter after chapter was like Taylor reference. Yeah. My big question, as soon as I saw the chapter list, was what year did she read this book? Right. Well, as because I'm reading it, was published, it, I think I'm narrowing it down. <gasps> really? Because you can tell, like, what songs started the references? Yeah, the references and uh, stuff. And truly, I think it was in between Red and 1989. Because mm-hmm. there yeah. is references on 1989 there's like very subtle ones on red, but very direct ones since 1989, and that's when she bought wow. the house too. Was during red era, okay. so I assume of she course. would have read it after buying the house or before buying it. That's kind of like what I want to know is mm-hmm. whether it was before or after. Really, one of those scenarios where it's faded if it's before and it's faded if it's after. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of my little theories on this book is that somehow, or on this book on Taylor and Rebecca's relationship, whatever, is that it was somehow influenced by Swift Gron because Diana grew up as a ballerina. Rebecca Harkness was a famous ballerina, owned like a ballet company and all these things. And that connection there is just like, so interesting to me and not to mention i later found out rebecca harkness died in the carlisle hotel which is where diana has had her residencies for three years now yes and that's also the first sentence of the book is that she died in carlisle hotel so can you imagine the shock when my like swift grown heart like j- was just there yes. and saw yes. die- like literally i almost fell to my knees even if the- it's oh. just a coincidence because it's the carlisle and it's just rich people being rich people like still it still made me genuinely like want to rip my hair out because it was yes. like, so exciting and so frustrating like exactly just so many weird things that also fall into place on accident in the Swift universe, particularly Gaylor. Mm-hmm. Like, that drives me more yeah. insane than the things that are intentional. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I just like the decadence of it all. Like, who Rebecca Harkness is as a person. It, like, really gave Taylor the permission, I think, to be that, like, her reputation self. Like, like, learning about Rebecca Harkness allowed her to be, like, bad girl Taylor. Totally. Because if there's one thing that Rebecca Harkness is, is, like, it's a bad girl like mm-hmm. literally not a yeah. horrible mother like horrific mother like yeah does not like subscribe to any like you know like delicate quiet like uh, f- like values of femininity and projections of femininity and um overall just seemed to like fucking hate the idea of like womanhood 
and like mm-hmm. everything that like was trying to put onto her from like a young age as a debutante. Yeah. She really was and like the loudest, maddest woman. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Like the more that I'm learning, the more that I'm like, this person was insane. Yeah. Like yeah. genuinely. In and like in a like fucked up way that like yeah. in a not not only in a fucked up way, of course, also like in very reasonable human ways. Yeah. Um but yeah, just like horrible, terrifying choices that they've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But it's like sometimes Ooh. you need really fucked up people to like allow you to see that your capacity for badness can extend a little bit. Right. Because I feel like I feel like well, go ahead. You're gonna say something. We'll get to this later. Oh yes. Rebecca Harkness is like this embodiment of the fucking like ridiculousness of being that wealthy. And just yes. how like destructive it is and how like disconnected they are from like humanity and reality and like nature and like human nature she is the perfect embodiment of just like how people that ward uh, yes yes people that hoard wealth like that are not normal that's how crazy they are like yes you know what i mean the polarity of like her versus all of the rich people that she was constantly surrounded by and like partying with mm-hmm. and stuff like the way that she misbehaved in those settings to me i'm just like yeah when you're that fucking rich that's probably how i would act too like yeah sometimes i have like weird empathy for very rich people like that because i'm like you are not living a normal life that like humans live like you're not feeling the full range of human emotion yes you know so I really do. I don't know. Yeah. In a weird way, it's really refreshing to learn about Rebecca Harkness and like see how destructive she was because that didn't affect any of the like poor struggling people at the time. She was just fucking with all of these like rich people's lives, minus what she did to her kids. Like that is a different story. Well, exactly. I'm sure she hurt a lot of people, but on a like yeah. really really pulled back scale. It's so yeah. fascinating. Because I'm like, yeah. No, exactly. Dance on tables. Fuck with all the rich exactly. people. Like, exactly. It's satisfying. Yes. No, it really is. It really, really is. I, like, that's the thing. It's like reading about her, reading about any, like, historical figure's personal life, like, pretty much always destroys them. Like, yeah. like very few people are wonderful in their public and private life. Yeah. Um, and, like, but, yeah, the chaos that she sowed in her little socialite spheres and her, like, heiress spheres, unmatched. Like, unreal, admirable, chaotic, like, I- insanity. Like, I love, like, I I love the chaos, the chaos like that. I love right. it. Right. Like, you can never imagine and clearly Taylor does level too. doing that now. Exactly. I That's wish. what I'm like. Ugh. No one on that level could do that now, would do that now, would ever even, like, think to do that now. So, in a lot of exactly. ways, I think it's so funny that Taylor, like, 
embodies herself being like so parallel to Rebecca like in the last great American dynasty like comparing herself fully to everything she says in the song and it's just like it's so interesting to me because I'm like Taylor you are not Rebecca Harkness like girl you you cause chaos you're loud you're a mad woman I love you Rebecca (laughs) Rebecca did other things though do you know what I mean yes yes it's so it's so cute of Taylor to, like, compare herself to Rebecca. Like, I don't know. When she was this, like, literally insane person. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's, like, why it feels so reputation to me. Like, yes. the ghost of Rebecca Harkness is in reputation. Agreed. The, like, look at, this is why we can't have nice things, is set in Rebecca Harkness's pool party. Yes, exactly. I was thinking about that when I was talking about how Rebecca would dance on tables. Like, that's the same visual. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I Mm -hmm. mentioned the chapters and then we and then we went somewhere else. So sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Waiting to hear that. No, I just wanted to circle back. First, there's the prologue, which is called A Mother's Legacy. And then the first chapter is called Betty and the Bitch Pack. Wow. I'm just going to read some that are significant. I'm not going to read all of them. Um, Yeah. Prim and Proper is chapter three. Mm. Um, The Golden Cage is chapter five. Chapter five, no less. Right. Right. (laughs) Sorry, it's unreal. Chapter nine is Sexual Politics. Chapter 18 is Angel. Chapter 19, this is just funny. It's called Desperate Men Do Desperate Things. Um, Chapter 23 is Endgame. Um, And then chapter 27 is Harkness Blue, which I'm excited to get to because that reminds me a lot of her, like, delicate blue era. Yes. Yes. I feel like that was its own, like, thing. Mm. I don't know. Because the colors for Rep were black and white, of course, but, like, the only song that was, like, emphasized color was Delicate as a blue single. You know what I mean? Yes. Everything was so blue, blue, blue. All the T-Mokies, blue. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the Taymojis, come on. That's weird. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, those are the those are the weird sounding chapters. When Katie read these out loud to me for the first time, I literally screamed at every single one, like yeah. out loud, and I got louder each yeah. time. Because endgame? I know. And uh, the when you were saying when you were just reading that out loud now, I can't help but think of uh, 23 as such a crucial number to Taylor right. too in reputation. Um, and then even forward because it's 23 Cornelia Street. 23 and, inside like, a fantasy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like she was 23 when, I mean, like that's why 23 inside a fantasy because uh, do we ever talk about how it's inside a fantasy and she literally described. The Victoria's Secret 
Angel Trailer as an actual fantasy. As a fantasy. <sighs> That's really your It's Taylor like an song. actual fantasy. Oh, Taylor. Oh my god. Thank you for saying that, Katie. You said it's like my song, my Taylor song? It is your song. I think that is your song. It is my song, and I sang it today in the car, like, three times in a row. Really? And I was like, this is my Taylor song. Like, in the car, I was like, she's never going to outdo herself. Like, I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. I think that, like, once a week when I listen to it, but. That's so sweet. Um, I love that you see that for me. Mm -hmm. And I've made it clear. What would you say my song is? The first one I think of is Daylight. Oh, that's nice. Like that's a, me and Lizzie's song. I know. And it just embodies you guys so perfectly. Like, every lyric is perfectly yours. That's very nice. Um. Okay, yeah. So, chapter titles. 23. Yeah. So, yeah, 23. Like, the idea that 23 is endgame. Like, don't you think that that's such an interesting concept? 23 is endgame? Yeah. Is that why she named the song Endgame? Because she was like, the number 23 is so important to me. Endgame. Right. And I, I think she was just, like, collecting chapter titles. Like, fucking... Yeah. Monopoly pieces. Like... She's like, I could write a song about Endgame. (laughs) I just, I feel like when I have numbers in my head, like, that are really important to me, I'm always looking for those numbers anywhere. And then, like, the idea that she would just be skimming her copy of Blue Bloods and see 23 Endgame when 23 had become such an important number to her. Right. That would get stuck in her head, you know? And you know what else is crazy? Mm. Ed Sheeran said that they wrote his part of the song at, I I think, that house. Uh, During, like, a 4th of July party. Yes, on on the Tamerica party. Or something. Or they mentioned it. Yeah. Doesn't that, like, really confirm that? Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I I think it confirms it even without that. Like I don't I don't know, Taylor. Right, right. Of course, she read this book. Like <laughs> that's the crazy well, part. That's is like we're not exactly. even theorizing right did. now. No, she le- no exactly. She had to have read this book to know the information that she's saying about in the last great American dynasty. Yes, yes. So, like. I don't know. It's just crazy to me because this isn't, I keep forgetting, this isn't even us like, oh, what if she was inspired by this book and Rebecca is like, no, like we're That's why it feels like tabula, like the, uh, what is it called? The thing, the, um, you know, a whole company is named after it. Oh. Rosetta um, Stone. The Rosetta Stone. Like, yes. that is why looking at these chapter titles and getting access to this book is the Rosetta Stone that we were hoping it would be. Yeah. And basically, this episode is going to be us, like, breaking down all those things so far, just up to chapter four. 
because that is what yeah. we read. And we're hoping to, like, get it out of our system. Like, not get it out of our system. I didn't mean that. Get, like, the gossipy stuff out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. To make, like, a, f- a, like, when we find, when we get to the main feed with this, it'll be more yeah. polished because we'll get all the little gossipy, like, dumb thoughts out. Right. It'll be, like, more official, more, like, um, academic, yes. like, very. Yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we could just, like, get into it, get into the prologue, and that's honestly another part that I literally was just ripping my hair out, like, the entire time. Yes. Of course, because of how it starts, even. Insane. Yeah. Because it starts, you know, Rebecca dying at the Carlisle Hotel, and then, um... It also talks about how Rebecca had a black butler and she would, like, make her bed for her and everything. And she had another butler, too. um, One man and one woman. The woman would make her bed and everything. And the man had said that he was never allowed to make her bed. Only she could. The butler. The woman. Is a butler a gendered term? I, I mean, uh, I don't know. a butler? (laughs) Exactly. That's like, (laughs) do we really want to get into that? I know. That's why reading this is also so fucking disturbing. It wasn't a mansion. I know. It wasn't a mansion. It was the Carlisle Hotel. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like humble, humble beginnings. (laughs) Humble endings. Um, also, the butler who would make her bed, the woman butler, her name was Augusta. Fascinating, right? Like, it's giving August. I don't know if that's a coincidence. I did note that the woman butler, Augusta, was the only one allowed to change her bed sheets. I thought okay. that was, like, weird. Okay. That is very weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, I mean, obviously yeah. that like that's crazy that they m- might have been swimming around in her head. I don't like that Taylor's thinking about like yeah, these, like subordinated like black service workers wistfully like singing um exactly. for a way the crowd sang. That's why I'm hoping yeah. and fucking praying that that is just a coincidence. Uh, no, bitch, you know that's not a coincidence. Why did he go? Like it's a coincidence. But I hope she. But I hope she just took inspiration from the name and wasn't like fantasizing about Betty and Augusta being Rebecca and Augusta, her servant. Unless there's a story behind that that I haven't gotten to yet in the book, honestly. Unless there really was something happening. But still, the power dynamics of that's so fucked up for Taylor. It's still who's fucked Rebecca up, yeah. Harkness And for her to be like, hey. She's like, you're back beneath the sun, wishing I could write my- Ew! <gasps> oh. <laughs> Augusta, like, that she got the character Augusta from the book. I think it's more- really likely that the name was in her head. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And also apparent also it's important to remember that 
the idea that her name is August or Augustine or something was created at the Long Pond studio sessions. Jack had like no idea that Taylor felt that way. That was like something Taylor kind of created as part of the like love triangle narrative in the moment, you know? Right, true. And also it it wouldn't if she was really canoning it to be Augusta and Rebecca Hart Harkness, it would be Yeah. It wouldn't make sense because the songs don't Ex- Exactly. Like, no. It doesn't represent Rebecca Harkness and Augusta. No. Yeah. No. Exactly. So I but, feel good um, knowing that she just she just like saw the name and enjoyed it. Yeah, no, and I really kind of believe that because it's like the first page of the book. Like it's just right. like right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I have a song called August. I could just say that it's a character named Augusta. Right. And it would yeah. line up with my puzzle map of Rebecca Harkness references. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she had four husbands in total. I believe two of them um, were the ones that actually claimed to be homosexuals, like, publicly mm. and were, like, out. We don't know mm. about the other two. Um, this is all information that's introduced in the prologue also. And then her maiden name is Betty West. Traumatizing Betty for a number West. of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Betty is like her nickname. Like everyone called her Betty. Yes, everyone called her Betty. Yeah. The book refers to her as Betty more than Rebecca from here on out. Um, wow, that makes sense. Yeah. Which crazy because when i had read online it was just like betty was rebecca's nickname like he he but quite literally it was just what everyone called her like all the people they interview refer to her as betty it's not like i don't know yeah it would be like if i in the past in the future everyone called me Catherine golden no one calls me Catherine golden right exactly like can you imagine a biography written about you and they're like Catherine goldie Oh my god, wow. <laughs> but um that's just one example though of how misconstrued like Rebecca Harkness's story has been and like is uh-huh. to the public and I think that's why Taylor like parallels and relates so much to her because there yes. is no solid story about who the fuck Rebecca Betty is. Like literally no one actually knows cuz mm-hmm. no one had the same experience with her. So uh. Just sounds so familiar to our king. Yes, exactly. Um, an interesting quote from one of her lovers is what they said in the book. They didn't name one of her husbands. They just said wow. one of her lovers. Okay. Said, right. Rebecca's problem was that she really was the American dream. Oh my god, salute to me like I'm your American dream. There's a very interesting quote in the prologue um, that also aligns with Taylor that says, The press humiliated her. No one took her music seriously. Oh my god. 
I forgot. Because the whole well, thing. I keep forgetting. Yep. That she makes mm-hmm. music. I keep forgetting this. Well, that's the thing is that she, her whole life, wanted to compose music, took like these piano <sighs> lessons and like tried so hard to learn about music and everything. Yet every music instructor that they interviewed talks badly about her and says that she never got better. She never improved every session like she was worse she never like actually composed the music that she released like that she she was just so bad at it and ever like her her instructor she went through instructors like one after the other because they couldn't deal with her she wouldn't learn anything (laughs) and then then it's like i don't know but then in the prologue it's like no one took her music seriously but then later on you read it and you're like oh no wonder because she wasn't even good at it like it's just so fascinating because it's like i don't know i just oh my god what a little character right she just wouldn't learn it so like that's so funny isn't it like i just i can't isn't that what they say about Joe ta- Joe Exotic too. You I don't know, know Tiger King. About Joe Exotic. I never watched. That. Do you know who that is? Neither. I bitch. Neither did I. Know I. Who. That's I. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure because I've never seen Tiger King either. Thank God. Talk about a, a movie that'll send you into psychosis. And Seriously. I but I did hear that like. He had a like part of it is his like music that he makes, makes music. and I'm pretty sure <laughs> he makes music, and part of it is like how bad he is at singing and making music. He hires people to like make it and sing it, and then he lip syncs it for music videos, like a ghost singer, or is it like yeah, exactly, oh yeah. And then he pretends it's him singing because the voice is like comically not his. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because that the only yeah. thing though, so Rebecca's music, like hers. as far as I've read, she was never singing. It was always composing oh. like, like orchestras, like composing. Oh my God, composing. Which is so annoying because I went and listened to a couple of her songs before we started recording and they were like, okay, like they weren't like ear piercingly bad, like the author describes them to be like, so that's what, what I'm figuring out is that no one fucking knows a goddamn thing about this woman. And like, because everything I read contradicts, like, I don't know. But they say that a lot of her instructors and, like, teachers are the ones that wrote the music. That's what I was trying to get at. Oh, my God. Okay, but the what about the, like, tickle my feet or, like, the sound my feet giggle? Oh, yeah. Well, sound my feet giggle? Well, here's the thing. that We can get into that more later, but I can't find that song anywhere. I can't find that song anywhere. <laughs> So doesn't it sound like a country song? I like imagined it as like a folk country song. I'm pretty sure that's what they described it as. Yeah. Um. Yes, it was a western song, and it was one a of western the ones song. that William and Betty wrote together. Yes, William and Betty. 
heir to the standard oil. Yes, yes. Right. Um, yes. And he... Wait, so what is the name of that song? Like, I like it when my feet giggle. (laughs) Giggling with my feet. Okay, so not... I was not far off. No, not at all. No. Um... And that's another thing it was talking about is that um, William Harkness really kind of took over her music like situation. Like it was her hobby and then it became his as well. And then mm-hmm. all the music that they wrote together, he kind of took over creatively. Um, yes. Which is interesting if we kind of look at it through a William Bowery lens, like the male in Taylor's life taking over her music, overshadowing her, influencing the music, all those parallels from, like, a again, a pulled back kind of view, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why no one took her music seriously, because it just wasn't good, and I think everyone knew that she didn't write it. Um. Wow. Uh, Wow. Not even giggling with my feet. See, I really yeah. just pictured her as like a little wait a second. What years was this taking place? I believe she was born in the twenties. Really? So, okay. Um I guess this would be taking place in like the forties and fifties, okay. I believe. Okay, yeah. So pop stars did exist at this time. She just was in the classical music scene. So not a little singer. Yes. Yeah. I see. That's too bad. I really pictured her with cowboy boots, like, like, rootin' tootin', boot stompin', Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. Just a St. Louis gal. Very similar to Taylor, is how you picture her. Not you from the what? South, but so. will cosplay like she is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'll have to just adjust my little um, inner <laughs> inner image. Oh, well. It's okay. You'll get plenty more to paint it as we go. That's right. Okay. Um. So another thing mentioned in the prologue, which gets brought up later in greater detail, is that Salvador Dali painted a portrait of Rebecca Harkness's daughter, Edith, who is the youngest daughter. Um, And she's the one that had it the most rough in terms of um, Rebecca treating her like a child that should be treated well. Um, But the painting that Dali did is... Edith trapped in a gilded birdcage. Why? What kind of... Why? Why did... Why was that his little portrait of Edith? Oh, we'll get into it. Oh, okay. Oh my god. I just couldn't believe it. Like, really? Like a little baby girl trapped in a little gilded birdcage? Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And Edith's character... Is very much because if we see Taylor relating to this in any way, which I'm sure she does because she continued Birdcage references heavily. Yes. Like it was happening before Red Era, but continued even more heavily into 1989 and Rep. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So if she identifies with Edith, it's interesting because Edith was the youngest, but she was the most mature and she wanted to be talked to like an adult and talked like an adult and she didn't like to do kid things. Like she didn't like to like play tennis or like have fun or like da 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 da. Like she was very much always like at the adult table while they were drinking and like listening to their conversations and like oh. she was. Oh, that's not normal for kids. Oh, no. no it's. Even, like, her tennis instructor was interviewed and she talked about how, like, sad it was and how some days she would just sit down with Edith and, like, just let her sit in silence because she was, like, she didn't want to play tennis. Like, she didn't... Yeah. Wow. So, young girl trapped in a gilded birdcage. Makes it even better when you think about... Not better, but I guess sadder when you think about the cardigan original lyrics. Sneak into my birdcage. Exactly. Like, she's still going with this birdcage shit as she's simultaneously writing about this book. But we will get into more about that later. Um, Speaking of card game bets with Dolly, you know. Um, Yes, exactly. Another thing that really added to my country western view is I thought for the longest time before I read the lyrics that it was Dolly. D-O-L-L-Y. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Good. Yeah. No, you're not alone. Me and another I thought she was talking about Miss Parton. House. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> it would have been cuter if, if only. It was. But also, if only Rebecca. Talk about a Rebecca little... was not alive <laughs> at the same time as Dolly. That's right. That's well, it. I guess they would have been alive at the same time because <sighs> yeah, Dolly had she had died a few in nineteen eighty in the late sixty. Oh yeah, no, they would have been together a lot, like all seventies, eighties. Oh, God. Rebecca Harkness died a year before Taylor was born. They really are just, like, reincarnated. Is that true? Did she really die in 88? I'm pretty the year sure. The book came out? Oh, never mind. Sorry. She died in 82. Yeah, it's the book that was written in 88. Excuse my misinformation. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, good. It's um, a lot to But yeah, the of. whole 70s, <laughs> Dolly could have been playing card games with Rebecca. If only. I hope that for them. Yeah. They would have had a blast together, probably. Could have been the one. <laughs> they also mentioned in the prologue Bobby, who it doesn't say, like, this might have been one of her husbands. I'm not sure. It oh, just said on and or- off lover for 18 years, out as a homosexual. Wow, wow, wow. But the wow. fact that that was mentioned in the prologue, that one of her lovers of on and off for 18 years was out as a homosexual, it seems significant if it's one of the things being summed up in the prologue, you know? I agree. I really, really agree. And it's like, obviously it's salacious because it's the late 80s. Like, AIDS is at its peak. Um yeah. This writer sounds like a fucking asshole, too. Oh, yeah. For sure. Exactly. Like, we were talking about how it sounds like it's written as a parody of someone in the 80s. Like, a parody of, like, a Wall Street, like... uh, Yeah. Like, basically, American Psycho. Like, Christian Bale from American Psycho wrote this book. Yes. 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 Patrick Bateman. Um... Is that his name? Patrick Bateman? Yeah, and then the actor's name is Jason Bateman. 
Mm. Um. Anyways, yeah, like it's very, very weird that that's the vibe this guy gives off. And I do know that the reason he was like a homosexual was because he was trying to make it as like lewd and like, as I said, salacious as possible. Mm-hmm. But it also is just like really like thank god that's what he leads with because like it's so fun to get all the dirty details yeah because they probably yeah like you said he meant it salaciously but we're like ooh, exactly (laughs) yeah exactly and taylor's literally said cowboy like me is about two scammers swindling rich people together at a country club um has she said that yeah, in the um, her little prologue for folklore, or no, forevermore, she says she's like naming all of the mythical stories that she wrote about, right? So it's like the girl from the hometown who got famous. That's like Dorothea. Yes, yes, like, yes, yes. I remember this. The lovers who were swindling da, 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 at a country wow. club, specifically. Ugh. So specific. So specific. And, I mean, yeah, the tennis courts were covered up with some tent-like things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And later on, in Chapter 2, it says that Betty's first husband, Charles Dickinson Walsh Pierce. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what which, a name. Dickinson. Hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. But her first husband was a member of the racket club at the country club. Yes. Her first husband. Yeah. Like, what if Cowboy Like Me is Taylor inspired by Betty's first husband? You know what I mean? And her, like, swindling this rich guy. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. I love that. And that means Cowboy Like Me is about a girl. Right. Because the person she's, the, like, rich man that she's swindling is not a cowboy like her. It's, like, someone else at the country club. Or maybe he is. Because when I think of cowboy like me, I genuinely think that she's singing to Joe. Yeah. Like. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm like, what if Charles Dickinson Walsh Pierce was gay? (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Well, definitely, yeah. But that's like, that That would mean that, you know, they were in on it together. But that's what I mean. Um, Cowboy like me, they right. are in on it together. Exactly, yeah. It's not, and, not swindling an old man. Right, true. True. Yeah. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the her description was they were swindling people together. Exactly, yes. Which is why I was like, oh, that's about a girl. Taylor's right, version right. feels like it's about two girls because they're swindling people together. And if it was about Rebecca Harkness, the old man would be the one being swindled. Do you know what I mean? But I see it both ways. I also see completely her, me too. Like, like Betty and Charles swindling people together because they both came from like rich families yes. in St. Louis. Yes. And it, yes, yes, yes. And like they needed beards and they needed to social climb together. So by oh, partnering, I love that. they social climbed and swindled everyone at the country club because then they got to make more connections with each other's connections. Like how yes. rich people do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. So 
that's how I see yes. that interpretation. I do see it the other way, though, mostly when I'm not in this context. No, I think that the beard, seeing it strictly as a bearding song, I I really do, like, love that. And then I also just like to fantasize about, like, two cowgirls together. You know what I mean? I know, yeah. I like yeah, that so one it's very That's fun. what I mean. <laughs> it's very right fun now, to this do one, both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just something with so much power about imagining Rebecca Harkness's perspective or, you know, the imaginary Rebecca Harkness's in, in Taylor's mind. Like, yeah. that character being so, like, nihilistic, so jaded mm-hmm. to the richness, like, really just sees everything as a, a ladder, starts to try to con this man just to get money mm-hmm. to, to move up on the social ladder. And then it's like... I can't con you because you're a cowboy like me. Like, you might look like a rich guy. You might look that way, but actually, you're just as gay and crazy as I am. Like, she was swindling him at first, and then it became... Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then it became, I like, also we're going to do this forever. Something to background that I guess I didn't say is that Betty's whole scheme was always to move to New York City, and... She was looking for a husband that would give her the excuse to move to New York City because she was like, I can't do Ugh. it alone. Wow. Wow. Very Taylor. Very Taylor. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to New York, indeed. Literally welcome. Boys and boys and girls and girls. Boys and boys and girls and girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. For you and Charles, Betty. Um, here's a part for dedicated to a friend of the archers Scott Swift Betty's father enemy number one of the archers exactly that's what I mean (laughs) with peace and love the H3 podcast taught me that if you say with peace and love after everything people can't sue you I don't know if that's actually wow. true, but I, that's why I always say it, because it's funny to think it is. Of, It is funny. Yeah. It's like a little spell that you cast on the end of every episode. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the intention behind it. That's Exactly. Um, so with peace and love, Betty's father ruled the family like a tyrant. He had a gruff demeanor and sardonic humor. Wow. And she would do anything for his approval. Oh. Oh, honey. Mm -mm. You who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes. Self-effacing jokes. Ugh. And your sardonic humor. (sighs) Um, Here's an even worse part with peace and love. This is a full direct quote. Betty's friends stayed away even when her dad wasn't there, claiming that the house was haunted by him. Oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this part. Me too. Like, that is crazy. Like, honestly, connections like this make me be like, oh, so she reread it during quarantine. Yeah. She had to have to write The Last Great American Dynasty. 
you're right. She was like, I'll just reread this again. Do you think that she's like a speed reader? Absolutely. Yeah, like one of those people that are like. I could see her also like highlighting and being like, I'll come back to this. Like how she like writes down lines that (laughs) she's like, maybe I'll use this later. I could see her highlighting that and being like, what a great way to describe that. And then during quarantine, she's like flipping through writing seven and she's like, oh, yeah. Ugh, God. Yeah, that's really quite quite something. So it's like, what is seven about Betty? In our little Gaylor cinematic universe, it could be. And that's the thing is, like, if it's about Betty, it's about Taylor. Taylor's made that very clear. Jack made that very clear in Long Pond when he said, it's about her, but it's it's about you. Yeah. Yeah, I am that man. Yeah. Um, another funny part that I just, like, kind of giggled at was the author said that if a girl thought about going to college during this time, she was called queer. Because that's a masculine thing to do is go to college. You must be queer. Wow. Derogatory. That's really interesting. Um, I mean, it makes sense, though. Yeah, like lesbian. Like, and I think academia. it's kind of true, honestly, as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another great, great part. Betty had a best friend, Jane, from St. Louis, who keeps coming up in the book. So I have a feeling something happened between them two, something gay. Because mm-hmm. um, something like they just keep mentioning her in weirdly like weird parts but not really saying anything mm. about like their relationship and i'm like that usually indicates that there was something more there that the author clearly didn't want to write about um mm. but her best friend jane still while living in st louis had a coming out party in 1933 with 600 attendees thank god a coming out party in 1933 with 600 attendees. This is Betty's bestie. Yeah. Yeah. A very publicly, like, queer woman? Question mark? Oh. No, that's not what coming out parties are. What's a coming out party? Because that's what that was my next question is, is it a coming out queer party? No, it's a debutante ball. What's that? Well, there's this tradition. Um, It's kind of dying out n- more now, but it's still very popular in like the South. Um, When a girl comes of age, like of marrying age, um, she has a debutante ball and it's also called a coming out party. So I now understand why you were shocked at this news. Okay, I I I just was expecting something else to come out of your mouth. No, no, no. It's just a debutante thing. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and take that off of my list of notes then. But okay, um, and I want to clarify. I'm not so naive because I did question. Like I was like, it doesn't say anything about queer. It just says coming out, and like. 
why would there be 600 people at a coming out party in 1933? Like, I was like, there's no way. There's no way anyone would have been. And then she goes on to, like, have husbands, which, like, whatever. You can be bi, like, whatever. But what? Okay. So true. You can be bi. You can be bi. So that's the end of chapter one. I'm glad that we ended on me spreading more misinformation. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Chapter two is where they describe more about Charles Dickinson Walsh Pierce. That's where they actually talked about him being in the racket club at the country club. Um, And then it says that she married him for a better chance to move out of St. Louis and move to New York because all of her friends, including Jane, had gotten married to men. Oh, God. The queer girl's lament. She's like, I guess I have to marry Charles Dickinson Walsh Pierce because Jane married (sighs) a man. I have to become Rebecca Betty West Dickinson, Charles Walsh. Dickinson, Walsh, Pierce. <laughs> Fuck. So, I don't really know what happened between then and the second husband, but she goes on to marry her second husband before moving to yeah. New York. And um, the, what is the line from American Dynasty that's describing it? How did a middle class, class divorce See, do it. Okay. Divorce <laughs> What a little funny Taylor's um, no, it wasn't a mansion little moment about her being middle class. Right. She lived in the wealthiest neighborhood in St. Louis growing up. It was and a she was gated a community. Yeah. It was exactly. literally a gated community silver spoon. Yeah. yeah. But no, it wasn't a mansion. Um, and I just like, I just think it's very funny that she says that. But I do think it's interesting that she's a divorcee. I feel like I imagine her just using Walsh Pierce to climb the ranks. Mm-hmm. Socially. And then as soon as she meets, you know, the heir to the Standard Oil throne? Name. Standard Oil. Yeah. yeah. She was like, goodbye. Ta-ta for now. Well, the thing is, too, that her second husband was in the same inner circles as Jane, her best friend. Oh, my God. So it literally says, Betty married her second husband to at least move comfortably in the same circles as Jane and her husband, Jack. Oh, my God. Jane was truly her one that got away. Yeah. So not only is it, like, social climbing the first time, the second time she's also still social climbing, but social climbing in Jane's circles. Yes. Just to be with Jane. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the author is really trying to spell out the fact that Rebecca was gay. Yeah, without it never talks about... Having- there's never a moment of intimacy between her and her husbands. There's never any talk of it. It's only very weird tension between her and everyone, really. Wow. Except for Jane. Jane just keeps popping up, and exactly. I can't wait to read the rest of the book and see where else she pops up. But, like, she keeps coming up in every chapter, every f- phase of Rebecca's life. Wow. wow. Um. 
And I think that the middle class thing, it is such a stupid, like, kitchen table bills, it wasn't a mansion moment. And I think it was, again, her spinning the whole, like, literally no one knows who Rebecca Harkness is or totally. who I am. And yeah, yeah, she yeah. died the dog he liked green, not the cat. Like, just making shit up because that's what Rebecca's entire story is in every source you read about her. It's wow. different. You know? Yeah. And Taylor Swift loves to lie. Exactly. So her lying yeah. about her house not being a mansion and then also lying about Rebecca's house being her Rebecca being middle class when she lived in a fucking mansion. You know, like I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And the dog instead of the cat. Yeah. Um and at the end of chapter two, page forty nine, I wrote this down because I was like, hmm. Um there's like a what are those called? The notes on the bottom, like a footnote. And it's the first footnote in the whole book in tiny, tiny little font. And it has a very long-winded definition of the word great. As in, like, last great American dynasty. American, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Can you read it right now? Yeah, yeah. Page 49. It's so long, too. Like... Great sometimes was a synonym for ruthless, at least in the early days of the oil business. Um, Archbold's grandfather, after whom he was named, had grown up in Titusville, Pennsylvania, where the first oil well was drilled by Edwin Drake in 1859, and initially headed the opposition of independent oil producers to John D. Rockefeller's young but enormous powerful new company, Standard Oil. By 1872, however, Archbold had been converted to Rockefeller's side and later became his right-hand man, president of the company, and one of the most ruthless men in business, according to The Rockefellers and American Dynasty by Peter Collier and David Horowitz. Archbold bribed his way into rival companies and besieged them with stockholder fights until they sold out to Standard. Nor was he above buying off politicians in the name of the company, sending one U.S. senator $15,000 in return for lobbying against some potentially damaging legislation. And this is the footnote to the word great. To the word great. And it mentions the word for word, a book called The Rockefellers and American Dynasty. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my God. Wow. I love the idea that she is saying that sometimes to be great is to be ruthless. Yeah. Because like, great can also very... be seen as, like, big, too. Mm-hmm. And if you're big, yeah. you have to be ruthless. Exactly. Like, if you're greatly known, if you're great, if you make a great impact. Um, That's all for chapter two, though. It just ends on that. It doesn't end on the great definition, but it ends, like, one page after that. And it's, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. That's very, like, salty of him. Right? Yeah. That's why it's, like, here's the subtext. Yeah. It makes it feel like it's a... um, That's that's one of the things that make it feel like it's a parody of 80s novels. 
Like Brett Easton and then the Ellis. Other steps like in. I keep thinking right. that Brett Easton Ellis is writing this. <laughs> yeah, big American psycho vibes, basically. Just Craig Unger. Oh, who's Craig Unger? That's the author of Blue Blood. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that's his name. Don't you think it should be like more like Jock from 80s teen movie? Yeah, but Craig Unger like also like fits. I don't know. Yeah. It's like Craig. Are you done with the biography about Rebecca yet? You're right. Your publisher's asking if it's done yet, Craig. Yeah. He's like, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like that what a, no no <laughs> that's taylor writing folklore like <laughs> oh no you are right about that you are fuck <laughs> um but yeah it's a, just a little check-in so far after uh-huh. these prologue and chapter one and two like, at this point, I'm, like, losing my mind. Because I'm also reading this in public. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, I was reading at a coffee shop. And I was, mm-hmm. like, texting you and Lizzie and, like, frantically writing <laughs> these notes. And, like, yes. freaking out. Because it's just, like, so obvious. Obviously, Swifties or anyone, Gaylers, like, literally anyone that likes The Last Great American Dynasty or, like, Taylor. Of course, you would turn to this book. Of course, she was kind mm-hmm. of like pointing her finger to it and to William and to just the whole thing and to Rebecca Harkness. Even mm-hmm. the All Knower had written a post on the, their website oh, yeah. about Rebecca Harkness yeah. that was so weird and vague. And like, I responded to their tweet when they had tweeted the article or like the post that they had wrote, and I said, no mention of Rebecca's homosexual husbands or the fact that she was on testosterone at the end of her life. Wow. No mention of that. Wow. No one no one was on my side, but it's fine. Hmm. <laughs> I know I'm right. So Exactly. That's what you have to live in. <laughs> um Chapter three, prim and proper. This is where they talk about William. Mm. This book goes in no chronological order also. Like, it never is like, and then she marries William. Like, it's just like, and Will- like all of her husbands are just like kind of mixed into every chapter. It's very interesting. It's like Taylor. Wow. Um, but this is where it I love that. That's William like the Betty. best kind of organization. Right, because I'm like, I don't really need it chronologically. Exactly. It's kind of fun to jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how Betty is, too. She's just chaotic, so it makes sense. Like, um, So William and Betty wrote Giggling With My Feet Together, a Western song. Hopefully we'll hear a song by Joe and Taylor called Giggling With My Feet. I know she loves to show her feet every chance that she... And then maybe she's Easter egging this whole time with her feet out to giggling with my feet. Are there TikToks of her giggling with her feet? 
there's that TikTok of her playing um the guitar with the sometimes I think of that and her feet are literally in the like the main focus in the frame. Barefoot in the kitchen. Ugh. Ugh. Padding across wooden floors. Um. <laughs> it think all- of like the wiki feet for her. It must be like terabytes. Exactly. Yeah. There's probably whole like sectors of fans dedicated to her feet, like Thylors, but except they're probably like disgusting like men. Thylors are so sweet and angelic. Yeah. Thylors are gayler adjacent, right? Completely. Completely. Okay. Just making sure. I don't know a single Thyler that's not a gayler. Right. I agree. Me either. However, feet lore, feetler, feetlers, feet lore, feetlers. The trilogy completion is feet lore. <laughs> if Taylor TS10. had her way, yes, it would. TS10 would be called feet lore. That's that's really the scrapped album that I want to see. Really? I know it's somewhere. You want to see vault. it? That's true. No. But I'm sure Giggling she with wants my to feet. put it out. Yeah. I know. It's kind of weird. Not to yeah. be kink shaming, but it is weird. It's only weird because it's like you're a public figure and everyone makes fun of you for having your feet out and you continue to do it like very purposefully and obnoxiously to the point that we can't help but be like a little bit grossed out and like... It's, like, too much for a woman that loves, like, her privacy and, like, <laughs> like, feet are the most intimate, like, <laughs> part of my body to me. Um, so, yeah, they made Giggling With My Feet, and then it starts talking about how he was very much overtook her whole music thing, and, like, it was suddenly his thing, and... It then goes into how William was just generally controlling of Betty, like, entirely. And Betty was crazy when she was younger with her bitch pack. Like, they were, like, they would, like, literally cause destruction wherever they went in St. Louis, right? But when, like, real physical destruction. (laughs) But then when she married William, the author emphasizes that she suddenly was, like, the prim and proper, like, rich socialite that blended in with everyone else when she married William and that she was just very much like she tamed out a lot and like yeah so she only tamed down because he was so controlling and because he very much wanted her to be tamer and oh my god wow that's really really wild when someone can go from so spirited to literally being, like, broken and controlled. It's, like, devastating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, like, yeah, I really she... wonder how much Taylor relates to that, too. Right. Because the way I see her, like, at this point is that she was so lost as, like, a young person with her bitch pack that, like, 
that's why they felt the need to cause so much destruction and be so oppositional to their surroundings because when you're a teenager you're angsty and you don't know who you are Mm -hmm. and you're like trying to figure it out and you take it out on your surroundings right yeah and then her getting into this marriage it's not that she even found herself and calmed down. It was just a different way for her to channel her kind of, like, lostness. Like, I don't think she knew who she was. And when William gave her, like, the controls of, like, this is who you are. I'll decide for you. Very a la, I don't know if you watched Euphoria, but very a la, like, um, Cassie in Euphoria when she's with um, Nate and... She's like, you can tell me what to wear. You can tell me what to eat. You can tell me what to do. Like, blah, 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 blah. Because Cassie has no fucking clue who she is. So she's like, someone please tell me. Particularly a man, please tell me. And she had daddy issues. I've never, ever seen an episode of Euphoria. Also, I thought that you weren't going to watch this season of Euphoria. Yeah, and I still did. I still did. You still did. Okay, well, um, I've never seen a single episode, and I never will. Way too scary for me. It's awful. Um, yeah. yeah. But I will say that I know in my heart and soul that Cassie is a lesbian experiencing combat. Yeah. And so is, I know so is Maddie. My, really? Maddie as well? There's... I think so because there's montages in this recent season that kept popping up of them being best friends, sleeping in the same bed, cuddling. Maddie moved in with her at one point and like they were best friends and now they're enemies. It's their best friends to enemies and hopefully next season in 2020 fucking eight or whenever the hell the next season comes is going to be their lover's arc because if it if that's not the direction that the show goes, then the show has nothing left and I will not be watching. <laughs> Even though I didn't even want to watch this season, but it's so addicting and I had to be a part of the conversation. Like, I had to know what the fuck everyone was saying. Because everyone had such bad opinions. Everyone had just had such wrong views of it. And people were watching it and not, like, analyzing it in the way of, like, that I just did. Like, Maddie is, like, this broken thing. And it's, like, symbolized on how broken she is that she's telling a man to decide who she is and do everything for her. No one was analyzing Ugh. it in that way. Everyone watching it was like, oh, Cassie's down bad. Or like, Cassie's so me. Or like, Cassie's such a fucking idiot. Why would she go to Nate? And like, and it's like, are you not doing like a deeper critical thought into that? That was the reason why I had to watch it. <laughs> you know what? I do remember, now that you're bringing it back to me, I do remember almost wanting to watch it because of how insufferable everyone was being too. So I really, I really have to let you slide on this one. Yeah. You know how I consume media. It's so like. Exactly. Analytical. And like, I don't actually watch it. I I watch it. I watch everyone else watching it. That's the best way I can describe. Hey, uh, me too. I've read the Wikipedia for every episode of Euphoria. Really? Because you're like, what the fuck are you all talking about? I need to know. And I will say that reading it, I did kind of, I was kind of like, this is boring plots. Like, these plots are boring. It's very weird that everyone is on the edge of their seat when not that much is occurring. The plots are boring. The script is awful. Um, the only thing, the reason that people are watching it is for the fashion, the actors, and the cinematography. 
That's it. Right. The dialogue wow. is makes me want to kill myself. Like the dialogue is I, so bad. I saw a I saw an edit of um Zendaya like and what she said because she was ad-libbing versus mm-hmm. what the written script was and they were comparing exactly. it. Exactly. And like, oh my god, Zendaya's a million billion times better. So like all those actors that don't that aren't ad-libbing like all oh, those poor things well most of them are that's the thing they are and it's still awful because yeah. it's not just zendaya yeah. who does that literally all of the characters have moments where they're ad-libbing and it's different from the script because it's so badly wow. written that they try to make it better and it's still just it's just the screenwriting is bad like ugh. i guess i guess it's supposed to be like real life like that's why it's so awkward and bad yeah, maybe. It's not, like, dramatized. Like that, yeah, because, like, that scene of the guy being, like, like, wow, you did it with, like, you did this with Jewel? And then the girl's like, who's Jewel? Do I know a Jewel? Do I know a Jewel? Jewel. Like, that's... Jewel. Exactly. Like, that is a very real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone loves that scene. I love that scene, and I love Angus Cloud. um, Yes. The guy that plays Fez, and I love Chloe Cherry, the one that says, Mm. Jewel? She's a porn star. Really? She's a porn star who played Jules in a porn after season one was released. And Sam Levinson, the fucking creep who wrote Euphoria, brought Chloe Cherry onto the cast after seeing her as Jules in a porn video. (sighs) Anyways. Wow. I'm so happy for her. Yeah, she's got a big breakout. She's, like, high fashion now. Um, I'm so happy for her. Fuck Sam Levinson. Always. It's always terrifying. So scary. Um, anyways. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to even bring up Euphoria, because I feel like that's what happens anytime Euphoria is brought up, is it's, like, a whole thing. Um, Yeah. But... Moving on into chapter three, Prim and Proper, this is a really exciting, exciting, exciting little piece that confirms that William Bowery is probably just Taylor. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. William Harkness's favorite drink was an old-fashioned. And this is emphasized, emphasized, emphasized. He had two heart attacks. The doctors told him, you need to settle down. They told him, you need to stop drinking. And he refused to stop drinking, specifically because he loved his old fashions. It's the only thing he would drink. And then a quote from when William died is, and, like, they had his funeral at the Holiday House or, like, his funeral after party at the holiday house was after party right the after party 
The blank. You're so right. It is a wake. <laughs> I've been to so many funerals that I'm just like, the after yeah. party of it, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no one, this is a direct quote. No one yes. could pass up a chance to pay final respects to the king. Uh, God, just, uh, like, obviously she's William. She's making herself be known as the king. Everyone, she's telling everyone to call her king. And she literally is obsessed with talking about old fashions. Like, what? Like, like she's literally using it like the Rosetta Stone. She's like sliding Florence, not Florence. She's sliding Fletcher a hundred dollar bill, being like, "Please yeah. mention the fact that I drink yeah. old fashions on your live." One hundred dollar bill. That's right. Hopefully more, but yeah, she I probably mean, Taylor was on the live and was just like buying corgis. the most like coins or whatever on tiktok i actually don't know how much a corgi is (laughs) there's ones that are like no no i almost never go on lives unless they're gayler lives um and i've certainly never tipped someone a corgi i'll tell you that much i've never tipped anyone oh you never tipped someone a little rose no i don't go on lives i don't know how to tip Okay, I don't even okay. know what it means when I get them. <laughs> Every rose is half of a cent to you in your creator account. Oh. Well, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. I just thought there were fun little like emojis that people were sending, like, oh, yeah. thank you for my rose. <laughs> They're paying you. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I literally had no idea. Wow. Um, great. Well, good thing I'm banned from Creator Fund, right? Never seeing that money anyway. Don't worry. We'll get it back. We'll get it back. (laughs) Together. Um, so, chapter four. Yes. I need to make a TikTok on our account. Thank you for reminding me. I know you didn't remind me, but it did remind me. Um, chapter four is titled... An embarrassment of riches. Uh, and it is embarrassing. This one goes into how, ta- or how Taylor, sorry, <laughs> Rebecca um, spends William's fortune after he dies. And how she spent it on, like, renovating the holiday house and, like, adding, like, ten more kitchens. And that's not an exaggeration. And... Why? Like, because she didn't want anything to do with her children so yes yes it was like to keep them separate from her so that she didn't have to like pass by them in the kitchen or like their nannies can make them food in that their kitchen on their side of the house like um nightmare yes so sad um but yeah so she was just spending his money like in crazy ways everyone was pissed off at her which like who really cares how rebecca's spending this like millionaire billionaire fortune um good point that's a good point honestly i prefer people spending it than anything 
that's why i'm like who cares like it's not coming out yeah. of your bank account it's coming out of william harkness's and he's dead so it's coming out of rebecca's yeah. he left it yeah, to like, her oh, like very sad that she's not giving it to like like charities like boohoo right but like uh, like and that's not that even point, what the rich people not- are mad about exactly like, that's what i'm they're saying they're not mad she's not giving it to charity they're mad that they're not she's not going to their foundation dinner auctions and like fucking funding you know what i mean like yes uh, whatever they want to be such humanitarians yeah. and act like she's wasting money on stupid whatever mm. one of the things she wasted money on is um getting her music teachers i guess her instructors whoever was making music around her helping her make music to quote-unquote help her write a 20-minute long tone poem called Safari. Okay. And what is a tone poem? As far as I could find, it's just an instrumental song with an orchestra. Wow, okay. Like, I don't know what a tone poem is i think it's just a song i think it's just a song with no words a singing okay so a song yeah okay and the song was like premiered in like a giant i didn't write it down but like it was premiered in some like crazy place in new york like um not radio city but like something big like that yeah like she like spent all this money to like premiere it in like this big giant event way in like a carnegie hall like you know what i mean like yeah giant production and all of the reviews from what the author said in the book were awful everyone no one took her music seriously that's where that comes from because everyone was like this is so bad and this isn't even her like writing it either like this is also people like helping her and it's still bad oh (laughs) Oh my god. And she also had a pop song, allegedly, called My Heart, but I can't find it anywhere. I don't know if someone can help me find that. Um, I'm going to keep looking. That's really what we need. Yeah. Yeah, this pop song, My Heart. Like, I'm so intrigued that she only did these, like, tone poems and giggling with my feet. But then after William dies, she writes a pop song. You know? Wow. Wow. That's her reputation. Like, was... Exactly. I think that was really her goal the whole time. She wanted to be a pop artist. And... Yes. I knew it. I felt it in my bones. I know. When you said, were there pop stars around at this time? I was like, well... Soon. (laughs) Rebecca swore it was going to be her. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This part also had me screaming. This is what I, like, frantically was texting you with Lizzie. Her first album, which I also can't find anywhere, was titled Music with a Heartbeat. And in case you didn't know, (laughs) Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift samples her heartbeat. So here's my thing with this. Here's my reverse engineering of this part. I picture Taylor just bought her house in... Rhode Island, the Holiday House, 
in between Red and 1989. She's writing songs for 1989. She's reading this book because she just bought the house. And she's like, music with a heartbeat. That would be cool for me to make music with my heartbeat. Maybe I'll keep that in mind when I write 1989. And then goes on to write Wildest Dreams at some point and is like, oh, I can use my heartbeat in this one. Yes. I think that that's, I completely agree. That's exactly where where it is. Right? Like, I don't think at this point she was like, I am Rebecca Harkness reincarnated, like she is in The Last Great American Dynasty. But I think she just saw this part and took inspiration. Exactly, yes. Right? Yes, yes. I really feel that. I agree with you. This part's really interesting, Katie. Okay. I, yes, I know what part you're about to get to, and I uh agree. Mm hmm. One of the Archer's Coded. It is so Archer's Coded. I literally thought I was like, I had to read this part back a few times because I was like, no way. Like, so as we know, the occult is used historically by rich people. The occult studies only rich people could afford to pay, like, spiritualism you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, like, Like the very specific, very specific victorian occultists and spiritualists not the concept of magic of course we're talking about like the houdini like what houdini is debunking are these like remnants of like spiritualism these like advisors like no one had yes occult advisors other than the rich you know no 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 exactly exactly like uh, so this is one of the frivolous, ridiculous things that Rebecca, and quotation marks, was wasting William's money on is she met this woman named Jane Grey, who's different from her best friend Jane. Um, this is in 1956. And Jane Grey taught Rebecca about astrology, mysticism, past lives, and British black magic. That's quoted from the book. All four of those things. Astrology being listed first. Mysticism. Past lives. British black magic. My god. It seems like the author really brushes over this. Like it's like something so casual. Um, But I really feel like Rebecca and this Jane also had a fling. Or something. Because they had a random falling out. And even the author just says. They randomly stop talking. And then it goes into the next chapter. And it's like okay like why did you even mention this if it was just like a blip you know like it's like you didn't mention any other blips so like yeah and the story is that they met um while rebecca was traveling and then they spent time in um spain together like an extended period of time and rebecca bought jane like a mink coat and would pay her like obscene amounts of money to teach her about all of this like occult stuff and wow they just really the dream talking truly i was like where's my jane gray yeah yeah exactly i mean is this proof that taylor likes astrology even though this book's not about taylor but it is yes it is (laughs) 
we don't need any more proof that Taylor likes astrology. We're all set on proof that Taylor likes astrology. She has a song called The Archer. Right. Exactly. But yeah, Spain. Rebecca and Jane in Spain. Almost like Evelyn and Celia. Exactly. That's the thing, too, is that this story has, like, such Evelyn Hugo vibes. Like, it's a very hard to... Like, I'm just picturing Evelyn Hugo knowing Rebecca Harkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Evelyn Hugo cover is very much... Could be... Looks like Rebecca, too. Like, just the hairstyle, the length of it, and the way that it's styled, and the way that wow. um, Evelyn is dressed, like, looks very Rebecca Harkness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And again, it's it it parallels because this is just like queer people in old yes. old rich Hollywood slash upper upper class. You know what yes. I mean? Like, yes, they all had that same experience. The same with like Elizabeth Taylor and you yeah. know, yeah. Um, which I was flipping through. I kept meaning to mention this to you. I was. F- Clicking through Taylor's Instagram highlights the other day because I'm insane and I just like to like go back sometimes and check. Yeah. And not only did I find that video of her being like, my cool chicks, my wall of cool chicks. This is my first song about cool chicks. Um, Which, first of all, I love that you unearthed that. Unearthed that. Oh, I had to. Because it's been going around everywhere. Like, I've after you sent it to me, I've seen it like really? everywhere since then. Yeah. And it's all because of your little video. Thank God, because I was like, "Am mm-hmm. I watching this correctly?" Mm-hmm. I had never caught that one before. Um, I know, but this is why I go back into her highlights. Because then I also noticed in her rep highlights, there was a picture of her like nightstand and her one of her cats sleeping on a book, and the caption was like, "She loves um, biographies about old Hollywood stars." And it was the Elizabeth Taylor biography that she was laying on. Like, Furious Love, I think it's called. Yeah. And that book was also, um, like, Taylor Jenkins Reid has talked about that book. Yes, exactly. And for her to post that in the Red Era, or not the Red Era, the Rep Era, and, like, Evelyn Hugo's era, since those existed at the same time. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I was just shocked. Like, I was like, I know she even says Elizabeth Taylor, like, references her on Burton to this Taylor, yeah. For her to be like, biographies about celebrity Hollywood. Like, I was like, oh, God. (laughs) The disgust. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm just like, your brain is so sick, Taylor. And I love it. And I'll reverse engineer it all day. Wow. Um, so the next part is chapter five. Yes. Which so is so partially through chapter five. Yeah, the chapter we've been waiting for. I think I finished chapter five. Okay. I think great. So I think this is all the notes for chapter five. Um, okay, perfect. But I had I just had another spot there because I thought that there was going to be more. But this was really all that there was in this chapter that stood out okay. to me. Um, so it goes into more detail about um, Dolly's painting of Edith 
And mm-hmm. it says that in 1958, Dolly and his wife visited Rebecca in her New York apartment, which I looked it up and it's fucking insane. Like, I can't with rich people. I can't believe the life that rich people live. Like, um, I know. I know. It's just wild. And so, yeah, they visited her in her, like, great grand apartment in New York. And Rebecca had a huge birdcage in her living room where a Just bird like Taylor. named... Like Taylor, except this one actually was a birdcage with a bird in it. She had a pet bird named Mina or Mina. Mm. Mina. Or or maybe that's the type of bird. Yeah, it's a Mina bird. Whatever um, yeah. that means. I'm going to um, look up what kind of bird that is. Yeah. So not only was Edith, like, painted inside of one of those, the painting was inspired by the fact that Rebecca had a birdcage in her living room. Wow. Wow. And the bird is teeny. It's so small. And it's in a giant cage. Yeah. I was shocked to find out how small it was. Because I was picturing, like, a parrot-type bird. But is it we're talking, orange? like... No. It's... I mean, there there might be orange ones, but I'm seeing a lot of black and brown ones. Like, it it's definitely, like, a small bird that you'd, like, just see outside and, like, not be, like... Well, at least in oh, New yeah. England, like, as a non-bird watcher, I wouldn't be surprised to see this. I don't think it lives in New England, so. Uh, yeah, it's southern to, to Asia. Well, I only asked if it was orange because I was like, I wonder if she replicated it in the Look What You Made Me Do <gasps> music yes! video. Right, because it's a little bird in a giant cage. Um, yeah, because that cage is giant. I wonder- she looks tiny. She does. I really wonder if maybe they make an orange one. They make one. God, I mean. They make. Um, this also is a talking bird. And it talked about how it would, like, repeat stuff um, that Rebecca said. And it was always, like, the mean shit she would say to her kids. Wow. Yeah, I like, guess I'm they sure I guess they talk. I think I think it said at one point that the bird repeated what do you want because that's what she would say to her kids when they would like try to talk to her. Oh my god, and yeah, they can learn up to 100 words. Ugh. Yeah. It's creepy. I don't birds I think that, that, talk that creepy birds out. Birds that talk are terrifying. Yeah. Like, I think that they're people I really... that were, like, cursed into a bird. <laughs> like, they were, like, hexed in a past life and, like, literally no, no. put into a bird. No. Oh, yeah, that's that's terrifying. It makes sense that... Because it's that, only the ones you. in the cages. It's only the ones in the cages that are, like, trapped that are talking. Well, that's because they're like the ones that are around humans all the time. Right, right. But, like, that's, like, spiritually, Minus, energetically yes. karmic so to me. Up. Like, I'm like... Yeah, you're right. 
What'd you do? Like, you're really right about that. Yeah. You're really right about that. I just, um, I feel like birds that talk are really scary. It's like eerie. Um, but I kind of prefer it when I have to think about like birds that like echo. Um, like I kind of prefer talking over like jackhammer noises. Like, you know, how birds mm. in the city make jackhammer noises. Yeah. 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 I would have to agree. I would prefer a talking bird over like a. <laughs> It's not my karma. But, I just worry for the soul that's in it. Exactly. You and St. Francis really worried about bird souls. I love it. Yeah, I am. Because, you yeah. know, they, there's also a legend um, of, like, brujas in, like, Mexico cursing, mm-hmm. like, homewreckers, like, women who, yes. like, cheat with their husbands and putting their souls into cactuses because cactuses live for so long and they, like, suffer so much because there's no water for them. And they have to, like, sit still and they take so long to grow and they're so prickly. And, like, it's such a nightmare to think about being trapped in a cactus that, like, that's a, that's, like, a curse that I heard about growing up that I was always, like, oh. oh wow. Because cactuses live, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. And what's more cursed and karmic than living hundreds and hundreds of years? Yeah, in one place. As a cactus. Yeah. 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 I I mean, cactuses are very gushy on the inside. It's true. They're filled with water. And I feel like those famous photos of Taylor standing next to the cactus, she's like, illicit affairs. (laughs) Maybe that's what she was referencing. That's the Easter egg, yeah. 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 That was in Arizona. It was. Yeah, it was her first day of the reputation tour, and the first date was here. Where was it? Um, in Glendale, Arizona, at like the Cardinals Stadium. Oh yeah, there are a lot of Cardinals in Arizona. Sure. Oh my God! Are there? Are there not? I don't see life in Arizona. Like, I, I barely even see birds, so I don't know. <laughs> Did you grow up there? Yes. Like, born here. That's wild. It it does not yeah. make sense at all that you're from Arizona. Yeah, it never made sense to me either. My whole life, like, as, like, a, literally a three-year-old, I would be asking my mom, why do we live here? Like, genuinely, oh what, god. why did, why do we live here? Oh my god. Like, I would never wow. pick here. Like, my little soul got, like, mishandled. I'm serious. Someone made a mistake. <laughs> like. Your little soul got mishandled. Yeah. I have a whole wow. poem about it. Be... It's, like, it's drama. It's so oh. drama. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm like, they messed up that. the address by, like, my stork messed up the address by, like, one stork. thing on the zip code. And I ended up here. Like, it was an accident. Oh. I... Amazing. But. So Dolly painted the portrait of um, Rebecca's daughter, Edith, right? And it was after this dinner, he was inspired by the birdcage. And keep in mind that Rebecca nor Edith requested that Edith be painted inside of a birdcage. It was just, can you do a portrait of my daughter? It was never planned for that. It was just his vision because he said, 
and I quote, You knew instantly that this girl wanted to be free and wild and was trapped. If that's that's not the most Taylor... Yes. It's, like, so devastating. Like, seriously so devastating. Why why was he just like, yeah, this is something to observe, observe and, like, paint for them? Wow. I mean, what was he supposed to do? Call CPS? No, I think it's... (laughs) please maybe please no maybe that i just but i just feel like it's so wild that like he had the gall to do that and this part's really sad it was the only thing along with like like a million dollars or like each of her kids got money obviously when she died in her will but the portrait of Edith is the only other thing that Rebecca left for her. Nothing else. And all the other kids got, like, other stuff left to them. And Edith only oh, got, like, the money God. and this painting. Do Have you seen the painting? Can we see the painting? I haven't seen it. I was going to look it up, but I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to find it. Yeah. What's it called? I don't know. I, I I don't know. It didn't say, yeah. like, a name. I think he just, like, did it as a commission for her, you know? Yes, of course. Um, I don't see it anywhere. If I were Edith, I would never let that see the light of day, either. She died in 19... 19- see, I haven't finished the book yet. Maybe they get into it. Yeah. Because I had read somewhere else, not in the book, but somewhere else in my research, something about Edith attempting suicide. Oh. And I wonder if that was a successful attempt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like she lived till she was 36. That's also fascinating because Edith was the only one of her children who was there when she died at the Carlisle Hotel. She was the only kid who wanted to be there when she died. All the other kids were like, fuck you, Rebecca. So, you know how they say, like, the most traumatized kid is the one that stays at home the longest? Yes, of course. It's Edith. I guess I'll get more info on her as the book goes on, because she seems to be the only kid that um, the author even talks about, really. In, like, detail. Wow. I... God, why was it the same year? God, okay, yeah, I'm really excited for us to read for us to read the rest of the book. Me to read the well, book and for you to read the rest yeah. of it. And maybe you'll find other things that I missed, honestly, like in the first five chapters. Well, that's the like, thing that mm-hmm. we always pay attention to different well, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> six really because I have glasses. <laughs> so true. No, but that's fascinating because it stated that, like, Edith was there when Rebecca died in 82. So that would mean that Edith would have had to kill herself, like, really soon. Or not kill herself. Whatever she, however she ended up dying, we'll find out. um, Yeah, at 34. Because if Rebecca died during the summer, like, June, in that last six months of the year, she would have had to die. That's so sad. Yeah so young and like 
never left her birdcage. Like, she died on the 22nd of August at age 33. That's literally just a few months later. Yeah, that's devastating. That's really, really, really devastating. Wow. No wonder they keep bringing her up. Yeah. Because at this point, it would be six years since they both died. Of course, the author is writing about Edith alongside Rebecca. But yeah, like, I truly do think that Taylor sees herself in Rebecca and Edith both, clearly, the birdcage stuff. Yeah. I I really, really agree. I think that she sees herself in every character, obviously, because of the king and the old fashions. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that she sees herself as a member of the bitch pack. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, Taylor probably saw a lot of herself in this. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like, I think about how she has been fascinated with um, the concept of fame and dynasties. Yeah. Because we can't forget Red containing the lucky one and uh, Starlight, a story about the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Also the fact that she lived through being accused of ruining the last great American dynasty when she was rumored to be with Connor Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, oh no, she's going to ruin the Kennedys. Yeah. So silly. So silly. It's crazy how I don't really listen to the last great American dynasty much. And I don't like think about it much, but it really is. Yeah. Like, despite that, I know that it's going to be one of the songs that, like, historians look back on and are like, that's Taylor Swift. Like, this is an an embodiment of her career. Right. Wow. I love that. I really don't think about that song that way, but I really love that perspective. I don't either, but with this... Like, what I'm finding out of how actually interconnected it is, and then, like, the way that people will look at her career in a very, like, pulled-back perspective like we have been, but the way that people will mm-hmm. in the future, mm-hmm. I I think it's gonna be, like, just one of those, like, landmark things about her and her history. I love predicting that stuff, yeah. You know? Yeah. It makes me want to rewatch that scene in Long Pond of her and Jack. As if you need an excuse to rewatch Long Pond. <laughs> really though, it's been a few months. I have to, I have to Really, a that's tolerance good. Tolerance break. Yeah. A um, tolerance break. Oh my god. Yeah. Um I would love if you're if you did that though because I've been thinking about even watching it. I've only watched it once and it was before we were Gaylers, really. Mhm. Isn't that interesting? It really made me a gayler because I was like, the way she's talking about her boyfriend's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I many like, people she's lying. say that. They're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of people are like, we're random Swifties. And then they're like, it's just not adding up. I need more info. Yeah. Like, I was like, her body language is so weird. I was like, I'm not even like, I'm just barely becoming a Taylor Swift fan again. And she's we- being weird. 
And I know that. (laughs) Um, Dang, I'm excited to read the rest of this. Me too. I'm excited to just read it. And like the way that you write notes, it's like I get my own little personal spark notes. Right. That's why I'm so excited for you to like fill in. Fill it in. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's really what we do, you and I, as, like, co-hosts. Like, exactly. We it's fill so each other true. in in different different parts, like yin and yang. I know. It's so true. Yeah. That's really true. Oh, right. uh, well, it's been amazing talking to you. Congratulations on being right that she wasn't announcing anything today. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, it hurts to Good be job. right. For in this case. Yeah. Well, I'll see you on the flip side. We'll see you on the flip side. And with peace and love. Goodbye. Stay, stay, stay. Gay for Tay. Please like and subscribe. I mean, that's the thing. They're just talking on and on. Harkness blue, blue blood. This is good for business. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. But I'm just like... It's fucking lavender!